0: Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Joseph Hammond. I am a primary school music and computing specialist, um, mainly working at early years at the moment. And today I want to talk about attendance, specifically 100% Attendance Awards and learning outside the classroom and all that it entails.
0: Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. so
1: welcome everybody um hope you're well and um today i wanted to talk about um specifically 100 percent attendance awards and just attendance in general and i also want to talk about learning outside the classroom now anybody who knows me or has listened to my show before will know that i I like to challenge conventions. I'm a bit rebellious. Um, I like to go against the norm Um, and I'm, I like a lot of progressive education and progressive ideas Um, and well having had the experience of working in a progressive school and um forest schools i can now never go back to mainstream school basically um i mean if if it was a very special mainstream school then sure i probably could but i can't go back into a system the system when i spent um three uh, two, three years now working outside of the system, and doing things very differently. And today, I wanted to challenge 100% attendance awards. And I wanted to talk about learning outside the classroom and well term time holidays and why they might not be as bad as people think. Um. So first, I'm going to start with attendance. Now, in certain circumstances i can kind of understand so i guess it would all depend on the family in question you know if somebody was being taken out of school for a holiday well if you knew about the family circumstances is that a safeguarding issue it very well might possibly be if we're talking about yeah um you know cult cultures where arranged marriages are a thing for example if uh, if you take if suddenly a child is oh i'm going i'm going on holiday during term time well actually you know if you know that they um that family is part of a religion or a culture where arranged marriages are a thing or things that could also be safeguarding issues well questions should obviously be asked and perhaps action should be taken um and failure to do so would be a uh, you know catastrophic safeguarding failure for the school however if we know that family is is secure and that there's nothing suspicious about it well those families shouldn't be punished for it And often they are, especially the onus is often on the children themselves. When often being absent from school is beyond their control. Um, and I guess the thing that inspired me to talk about this is seeing a tweet this morning, um, or rather it was a Facebook post copying a tweet, um, on the progressive education Facebook group that um, was talking about 100% attendance awards and how a child um, felt awful about themselves for getting COVID because it would um, not because of the they could any any of the actual illness that can uh, come from having COVID but because it's going to ruin their chance at guessing at a hundred percent attendance award that year. That's toxic. I'm sorry, but that is extremely toxic. You know, a hundred percent attendance awards being awarded to the children for not missing a day of school. Well, is it, is, is it impressive? Yeah you could argue you could argue it is, you know, an impressive level of commitment. But ultimately, what it does is it discriminates against those that have medical conditions, medical issues, those that have disabilities, those that those that cannot attend school all the time. 100 percent for a number of different reasons that are beyond them or their family's control you know so a child a child should let's
2: say and a lot of accommodations were put in place
1: for them at my school there was you know it was really it was really well handled and I really enjoyed teaching those kids. Even in PE, they were they were amazing. and They were always kept in good spirits. They were really inspiring kids. Now, if that child has an appointment at Great Ormond Street Hospital, should uh, why why should they have to feel bad because they're not going to get an 100% attendance certificate because they have a crucial hospital appointment that is essential to their medical care, and their future. And that is why I believe that attendance certificates and 100% attendance awards are wrong, toxic, it needs to be changed, and need to rethink. Because it's not right, that it's toxic, and it's discriminatory, And it it just it just it needs to change. And I understand that schools have good intentions when it comes to attendance, you know, um, I mean, most most schools, I I shouldn't generalise completely. But a lot of schools, most schools have good intentions, when it comes to keep keeping attendance up, you know, if it's a case of um yeah, you, you know that a child is um let let's let let's say you know they submit their attendance records to the powers that be um who are holding the school accountable. You know, questions might be asked if attendance is low and the school aren't doing anything about it, or but it's it's still it it, they 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 a lot of schools need to change their approach because while i understand you know intentions intentions are good you know schools want to make sure that all students are keeping up with their uh their school work they catch up they um they, they keep up to date, they're not behind on the things that, they, um, that they're required to learn for whatever circumstances they have. I'm not going to mention the stuff they need to learn for their exams, because I am very anti-exam, um, and, unless the exams and assessments are realistic to the real world, but what i want to but i want to challenge the notion essentially that um having a hundred percent attendance is something to be celebrated in front of everybody because well it's is it an impressive achievement if you don't miss a day of school for a year sure and um but you know it also there are many, many circumstances that are beyond children's controls, and the onus shouldn't be put on the children themselves to, you know, make them feel lesser than other children or students because they missed one day and so can't get a hundred percent attendance certificate. Um, or that they had a medical reason that was beyond them and their family's controls they should not have to be made to feel bad because of that and it is um and so it creates a very toxic environment where and it seems like it can seem like the adults in the school are showing favoritism and yeah it just it really really it comes down to luck a lot of this it does come down to luck you can't always predict when you're going to feel unwell especially recently you can't predict if your child is uh, or, or your family are going to get covid or other illnesses like the flu or that you know you might have um an, accident, you know, a car accident or a, uh, or a fall that causes, you know, a broken arm or a broken limb. Those people, those students, those children should not have to be made to feel bad for not getting 100% attendance just because they had something that was beyond their control. So they couldn't attend school because they had to get essential medical care from the hospital, or they had to stay home to avoid infecting others, and it's just not fair. And that actually extends to the adults as well. You know, I've been, I've been part of agencies that, uh, an, an agency, I should say, uh, that did sort of give employee awards to those that didn't miss a single day and, or well, I sort of let it slide, let it pass me by. I didn't really, um, I just didn't let it bother me. I would have felt bad if I was a kid. But it's just setting a precedent. If you do that with adults, that they should go into work, even if they're not really in a condition to do so. And this is a common problem among teachers. Um, And it's often to do with sick pay. It's uh, to do with leaders and uh, bosses making them feel bad for missing a day. Certainly, in in fact, most of the schools I worked at, um, absence. Well, we couldn't really get supply staff. Whether whether it be because we are a special. Um, well, I used to be a teaching assistant at a special needs school. Now, you can't really get supply staff for that, because if you're on the autistic spectrum, suddenly having an ad a, a, a random stranger come in that you're supposed to learn to trust instantly, it just doesn't work. And so that creates difficulties on its own, because you've got these kids with moderate to severe learning difficulties, and then, they're missing an adult and then the other adults in that classroom have to pick up the slack for that. And that is um, and that's tough to do, especially if, if it can mean that you're short staffed. Now, in some cases, especially in private schools, where sick pay isn't always available, that can cause its own issues um because you know oh you you're not we don't have our own sick pay however you can um you can apply for statutory sick pay but that's rub that's a bit rubbish really that's not gonna pay your bills um Leanne says even in mainstream I find having a supply TA I'd rather be on my own yeah I know the feeling Leanne um and Leanne you're you're not gonna believe this but I have had ta's beyond uh uh, two no three be on their personal phones during my lessons i was not impressed at all and let me tell you i let them know that (laughs) because i am not having that in my lessons no way um so yeah i believe it yeah well so and you know that is not a criticism of all TAs there are some incredible TAs out there and I have had the pleasure of working with some incredible TAs who I've loved having in my classroom but yes um it's it's difficult with supply and I guess it is part luck with supply you can get someone who's amazing you can get someone who sucks um but is is uh perhaps harder if and not just my special needs school, but also my most recent school, my outdoor progressive school, um, a uh, forest school. Well, we couldn't exactly just get a random supply teacher in because we do things so di- uh we did things so differently. And um I was part of a school that was that is the only school in the country that does things in that unique way. And so if you if if someone's sick, then, well, the rest of the team have to pick up the slack somehow, and the senior leadership had to move people around um, to accommodate that. Sometimes, you know, I ended up, I I like going around all the classes and teaching them my specialist subjects. A couple of times I did have to end up teaching that just one class for the whole, um, whole day, which you know, I didn't I didn't mind doing once or twice to be fair. Um, But yeah, the but one thing that that school didn't do was have sick pay. Um, And you could claim statutory sick pay with you are off for enough days, but it doesn't cover much at all. And so When you don't have a proper sick pay policy, um, then you end up having people coming in to work when they really shouldn't be. And that actually can be quite dangerous. If someone has a really bad cold, they then give it to the children, they then give it to the other staff, it has a knock-on effect. You know, um, I know uh, there are a lot of people out there that didn't take COVID seriously, even during the worst of it, and um, um, and you know you could you could imagine what would happen if somebody uh, that with, with COVID went into work, passed it on to everybody. Suddenly, everyone's sick, or you know everyone has to the the whole entire operation has to shut down. It isn't actually particularly safe, so leaders and schools need proper sick pay policies and the tories are wrong okay it's not a case of um that you know people there there isn't a sick notes culture in this country people don't just take uh, i again i sound like i'm generalizing a bit this isn't the case for everybody but most i'd like to think that well at least half the country uh, most people that I know for sure wouldn't just take a random day off um, if they felt that they if, if if they felt that they could just because they can. That's not that's not how that's not how they work, and I I certainly wouldn't do that. I'm very passionate about my job. However, I am not going to um, sacrifice. My own mental state, my own physical health for my job. And if you're in a situation where you cannot afford to pay the bills if you miss a day of work, well, that's a horrible situation to be in. So if somebody listening to this is working in a school that does not have a proper sick pay policy, then, well, I encourage them to think about, if you were sick, if you had to go to hospital, if you had to have a day off or two, for whatever reason, or an extended period of leave, is it worth it? Or is it worth? Is it worth finding some place that does have proper sick pay? Um, And well, it's, it's the same with the students and the kids as well, I would encourage that if schools do have 100% attendance awards, or, you know, they treat attendance like it's um, le- oh, learning only happens inside the classroom. No, no, it doesn't. Okay, and I'm going to talk more about that later. But what I'm talking about now is, um if your school does have a hundred percent attendance certificates challenge i encourage you to challenge that i encourage you to say to people well why why do you have that what's it for is it for your own egos is it for the school's data and measuring and stuff to satisfy Ofsted? in which case you're doing it for all the wrong reasons um and I do actually want to point this out okay one of um, there is one mainstream well there's there's a there's a few but one of the mainstream schools that I would like to point out that I would like to um, that I would like to give a shout out to is three bridges primary school and their head teacher Jeremy Hannay um, they, are awesome and they have a reputation for really looking after everyone's well-being the adults the children everybody and um i i didn't get the job i got beat out by a friend who deserved it um but i did apply for the job of as uh, of their music teacher um and a friend ended up getting it who you know did deserve it and was more in line with what um they were looking for but i was extremely close to getting it but they are awesome and they they treat everybody with respect they 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 really listen to people and so if there is if there was uh a job going there i would consider i would certainly consider it um i can't even remember where i was going with this <laughs> sorry i completely i completely got sidetracked and lost track of where i was going with this i was talking about 100 attendance then i mentioned uh certificates and then i mentioned three bridges primary giving, giving them a shout out but then i completely forgot why I was doing that and and where I was going with it oh well um so see how my brain works um so yeah um if you know I would encourage anybody to that's probably what I was gonna say like if I was at three bridges primary and they had a hundred percent attendance awards and I said I'm not sure that's a good idea for these reasons. You know, the head teacher, Jeremy Hanna would listen to me because that is what he's like as a leader. He's a leader, not a dictator or a boss. And that's the difference. One of my old head teachers actually shared something on LinkedIn about this, you know, the difference between being a boss, where you tell everyone what to do and don't expect questions to be asked, or you're a leader where you show How it is you want everyone to be, you might have to give instructions, but ultimately you lead by example. Something that I intend to do with my kids all the time. And you're not afraid of getting stuck in. So it's like it's like the analogy of well, not analogy, but you can tell how somebody is by the way they treat their lowest paid or Uh, and quote, lowest status workers. So, you know, someone like the uh, cleaners, you know, you can tell how someone is by the way they treat the cleaners. If they treat them like dirt, then, you know, but they treat higher ups much better, then that's a sign of a toxic person. Whereas if you treat everybody that is all of your employees with respect, then you're a leader. And also, a good leader is not above getting stuck in with things like cleaning up and if needed be hoovering sweeping the floors and things that a good leader a good head teacher in my opinion isn't above doing things like that um that that's leading by example doing doing things for others. And then people are more likely to trust you do things for you. Um, And so yeah, that's where I guess what it comes down to all of what I'm talking about is equity, not equality. Because equality and and I'm sure many people will have seen these doing the rounds on social media. Um, it's also Albert Einstein's famous: um, "If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, etc." Um, equity means giving everybody whatever they need to succeed at this at a particular thing. Equality is treating everybody the same, giving everybody exactly the same amount of support and resources, but that doesn't work. Um, I'm I'm autistic. I need additional I have additional needs that I need people to understand that I need people to be aware of. And I don't require any major changes or accommodations. I think the one thing that I do require and I, I have my own. If people need to understand that in loud indoor environments, I do wear earplugs sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with that. And to be fair, nobody has ever, you know, called me out on it or challenged me on it. But it's something that I know could happen in other workplaces. And going, going back to what I was originally talking about, this is um, a, all, a lot of what I've said is why I believe 100% attendance certificates and rewarding attendance is wrong and is toxic. Um, and I'm going to talk more about why, you know, if somebody goes on a term time holiday, it isn't always a bad thing. Um, and that essentially... You shouldn't be punishing anybody children students adults alike for being ill and being unable to um, to attend because of circumstances that are out of their control ultimately what you want to aim to do is make the parents responsible because it is their responsibility ultimately, it's their decision. And if, as I said, at the beginning, in some family circumstance, in some circumstances, in some families, there might well be a case where, well, actually, that child might be in danger, or actually, that child might be forced into something that they don't want. Um, That is, obviously, a big concern and might be a safeguarding thing and that should absolutely be challenged but it's got to be all on individual circumstances and the safeguarding officer's responsibility to look into these things and contact the relevant people um so you have to you have to yeah obviously i'm trying to be balanced here but if you know you've got a secure stable family and the child um is absent from school for whatever reason they shouldn't be punished for it is my message to everybody and i actually had this once because I used to give out certificates for good work in my lessons. And then a child approached me and they said, Joe, or Mr. Hammond, I don't think your certificates are very fair because I didn't get any. And Now, I could have said, well, have you earned them? But actually, I thought about it and that child was right. So I stopped doing them. I've never done them since. I want, ultimately, people to work hard not to earn a certificate, but to get make good music, program good stuff in computing. That's what I want. The actual end result and the process of doing it should be the reward. That is my strong opinion on things like that. And so that, uh, or, or, or in the case of music, yeah, well, the end result, it could be the performance, the pro- that you have to enjoy the process and the end result as well. Right, I am going to play some of our ads and then we shall move on. And I'm going to talk about learning outside the classroom.
3: Hi, I'm Charlie Burley, the teacher's health coach, and I want to talk to you about the first ever health and wellbeing event for educators, Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload, and wellbeing in school. You'll hear from our incredible lineup of speakers, including Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Volger, and many more. There'll be talks, workshops, and time to network with like-minded colleagues. We'll look after you all day with brunch, lunch and all the refreshments. You'll get to meet our incredible speakers and our amazing team of ambassadors from the education space. It's a non-profit event with all proceeds going to the amazing education charity EdSupport. This isn't one to miss. I look forward to seeing you there on the 22nd of October at Etc Venues St Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more.
1: okay and i'm back so i've talked about 100 percent attendance and one of the reasons why somebody can be absent from school is they might be on a term time holiday and as i've said before safeguarding could be a thing a factor in this look at the reasons why um however i actually know a family that um was going on a trip because um, uh, there was some, it, it was a, it was a Minecraft thing. And um, this, uh, this lady Ruth, um, she has a company or she has, I don't know if she still does it. She had a company called Box Headcraft where um, she was making and selling these um heads and decorative shirts that people could draw on and decorate however they like that made their heads look like custom Minecraft locks. Um, and it was really good. And there were some events in America, the US that she was invited to. Now, that would mean that she would have to take her two children out of school for a month. Um, and she got Find as a result of that and she actually blogged a lot about the process and her journey to doing this and you know having to fight even though she is a very good mum and she's really um she's uh, she's really good and really strong when it comes to making sure her children have the best opportunities and um Making sure that they, you know, they keep up their um, their learning journeys, and this is um, something that I want to chat want to challenge. You know, um, lots of parents that read her story were very sympathetic and were sort of on her side, um, but of course, there's so much red tape involved now my um at my last school we had some kids who had extended holidays for a month as well and you know it wasn't a problem for us because we knew those families well enough to know that they would take care of their kids and that they wouldn't let things slip and actually we um we were super impressed with one of the families that went um that they were from canada and they were living in the uk and we were super impressed with how well the youngest was homeschooled and how well he he was um able to how well he knew a lot of his maths and his English and how and and you know just how how engaged and how how much he's how much he knew he knew already and it wasn't like putting pressure on it he was also a very happy child but mum did a very very good job with homeschooling this child while they were out and so it isn't A terrible thing when people don't um when when, if people take their kids out of school for a bit um and it's you know something that i've always wanted to wanted to challenge you know schools uh, with lots of schools being short-staffed under-resourced overcrowded it can be too hard it's too hard for most schools to have any semblance of um, any semblance of being able to being able to look after people individually, look after children individually. It can be incredibly hard. Um, And I've been very lucky, in the sense that I haven't had that problem. But um we had another family who was going skiing for an extended period of time and then they came back and you know it wasn't sometimes you know they might be a bit behind on your particular lessons so like in in my case they might not know a couple of the songs that i've taught but they can catch up on that that's not a problem um it's just about it's about individual circumstances and sort of not immediately jumping to conclusions which is what can happen now um I want to point out another family that was in a mainstream school that I worked at and for their reception they decided to have him only do half days and they also consulted the child on that, who was in reception, so four and five. Now, I actually kind of think that's quite a good thing. You might think it's obvious what the child's going to say, but children can surprise you with how thoughtful they can be if you just give them the time to respond and think and not just comply with you. And um, They do have minds of their own. So they might not Always know what's best for them, but they and they might still have a lot to learn and a lot to experience, but that doesn't mean that they never know what's best for them, which a lot of people seem to think, and I applauded the parents for that, and there was a family I got on very well with, but the school weren't happy about it at all, and The teacher even said, you know, oh, they, the, the mum was consulting Henry is like, like he, like he knows what he's talking about. He's a child. So that teacher's immediately saying, you know, I don't, I don't trust that child to think for themselves. I don't trust that child to, um, to have any individuality or any, any thoughts and that's that was just so wrong i didn't say anything at the time because it wasn't really my place to say anything um and the decision was already made so it wasn't anything they could do about it however i did not like hearing that at all at all you know this i i this child was really into music um i really got on well with the family and the child themselves it was great and i applauded the parents for their decision um and i wasn't impressed with the school with their reaction it was just really bad um but my point is just that see a lot of people it's like the attitude is they must be in school for long days and shorter shorter holidays some people want and they lose learning and we have to catch up on them you know the attitude as if learning quote happens only inside the classroom i mean I've not worked in a classroom for two, for just over two years now. Um, I mean, I guess if you count our outdoor dens classrooms, they might, but I've not worked in a classroom for a long time and I've seen, um, and I, I I I've seen people, kids sure sometimes they don't always remember absolutely everything, but I've seen how with the right approach, if you have um, things that, if you do things that they can engage with, if you do, if you do things that are memorable, then they can remember those things for a long time for all the right reasons. And just I just remember uh, uh, some of the parents um, telling me about how yeah you know, their their child you know could always remember the things that I'd done with them you know oh I did this thing with Joe and. Uh, And, oh, you know, another person showed them a guitar or ukulele. Oh, yeah, I I can play it like this. My music teacher, Joe, or my music teacher, Mr. Hammond, showed me how to do this. Or, you know, getting musical instruments for Christmas. Now, I will say music is an easier subject to do that with, especially for primary school children um, or in early years. It's easier to do that than with English, maths, um, I, I, uh, and mainly not because English and maths are boring subjects, cause they're not, they can be extremely interesting and very, va- and, and of course, they're crucial and very valuable, but I think teaching them is trickier simply because, and I, I, I think I especially struggled to make maths interesting, but that was just me because if you I enjoyed maths when I was a kid because at primary school, I was good at it anyway, and then I struggled a bit at um, A level. Um, But, you know, that's that I just got overwhelmed, I think. But English and maths, um, you know, has so much more that you have that you have to cover if you're following the national curriculum so much more to cover. And it's so much um, more prescriptive as a result. And so I, I could, you know, I could knock music and um, IT lessons out the park, just, um, it would take me, you know, 10 minutes often to plan a lesson. However, when I was teaching phonics, it took longer. And I had to get support from the um, people, the SLT, who's in charge of English and phonics and things like that, because I was inexperienced, I could do it. And yeah, I progressed my readers, for sure. So I achieved the goal. However, it was much harder. For me to do that than it was to um, to train. Um, it was much harder for me to do that than it was to you know plan the, <laughs> loads of music lessons or computing and tech lessons, technology lessons because that is my specialist subjects. That is what I'm good at. That's just me. Um, for a lot of teachers, it's the other way around. They struggle with music or computing, um, but yeah it's it's especially in mainstream schools when you know year ones have a phonics screening at the end which if they fail they have to take again and get additional phonics lessons in year two and even possibly year three that's a thing that happens um and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of demands on that and it can be such a bland thing um it uh it, it can be quite frustrating as well. Now often it's the best way of reading, but if you're gonna be examined on it, then it's just yeah. So in my progressive school we did teach phonics with read-write ink, but we didn't do a phonics screening, that's for sure, you know, because we allowed our children to learn at their own pace and be more individual. Now, it often wasn't the children's favourite subject, that's that's for sure, but sometimes there are essentials. And our, our head of governors, our chair of governors, actually did say that she was when she before she accepted the position that she was quite surprised that we were doing read, write, ink and doing phonics. And then she sort of said that actually having thought about it there are certain things that the children might not be able to access if they don't have those skills in place. Um, So, you know, these things can surprise you. But that doesn't mean that if somebody misses out and goes outside of the classroom, that they're not learning. And that that can be school trips, it can be forest school. It could also be just family holidays. You know, there doesn't, there's loads of educational experiences for families that can, you know, and especially with regards to geography and history, if you're traveling to places, well, it's so much more valuable to actually experience it than to read about it. You know, an American um, coming to London to see Buckingham palace and to watch the queen, uh, well, now the Kings guard, um, the bearskins in action, um, and to learn that you don't mess with them. And they're not just a pantomime. They are highly trained soldiers. It's not something that they can get from reading a book it's so much better seeing it in person. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's a a lot of schools and a lot of local authorities really do seem to have it stuck in their heads that there's really um, no value, uh, that, that learning is not happening if it's outside the classroom and that is just wrong it's not true um and question should questions be asked yeah should it always be approved is it always a good thing not necessarily sometimes it can be a safeguarding issue however it's not um for a lot of schools, and a lot of settings, it's only because they want to train up, train their students up for exam success, for their statistics and their league tables. And that is not the reason why I became a teacher. It's not the reason why so many people that I know became teachers. It's not the reason why anyone should become a teacher or someone who works in a school. Um, And I passionately believe that. Right, time to hear a word from our sponsors and the news and the Two Minute Tech.
3: Hi, I'm Charlie Burley, the teacher's health coach, and I want to talk to you about the first ever health and wellbeing event for educators, Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload, and wellbeing in school. You'll hear from our incredible lineup of speakers, including Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Volger, and many more. There'll be talks, workshops, and time to network with like-minded colleagues. We'll look after you all day with brunch, lunch, and all the refreshments. You'll get to meet our incredible speakers and our amazing team of ambassadors from the education space. It's a non-profit event, with all proceeds going to the amazing education charity, EdSupport. This isn't one to miss. I look forward to seeing you there on the 22nd of October at Etc. Venues St. Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
2: With schools across all four home nations due to close on Monday, the 19th of September, as part of the plans for the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, much of this week's news is set to focus on issues away from reflections and remembrance of the UK's longest serving monarch. In Scotland, the largest teaching union has voted to go on strike in a dispute over pay. The Educational Institute of Scotland, known as EIS, rejected a 5% pay offer following a ballot. The EIS announced on Friday the 16th of September that 91% of the responses to the consultative ballot had voted in favour of strike action. 94% of votes were also in favour of rejecting the 5% pay offer. 78% of all union members responded to the ballot. The union, which represents 8 out of 10 Scottish teachers, will reject the offer next week and move to a statutory ballot on strike action. EIS General Secretary said teachers have simply had enough of the year-on-year struggle to achieve a fair pay settlement. She went on to say that 5% offer represents a real terms cut of 7%. Scottish teachers have previously been offered rises of 2% and 3.5% before the offer of 5%. The AIS said teachers' request for 10% was fair and reasonable. The Times has released its 2023 Good University Guide, with many media outlets from across the home nations reporting on the standings. With student debt now averaging around £50,000, it's more important than ever that young people research and find the right institution and course for them. The list includes profiles of 135 universities across Britain, and uses data published by institutions in the last two months. The University of Bath is named University of the Year. Whilst it ranks eighth in the overall list, up from ninth in 2021, it won the award due to its strength across the board. Exeter was runner-up in this category, with Birmingham, Oxford and Surrey also shortlisted. Whilst Oxford misses out on the University of the Year award, it has again topped the league table, a position it has held for the past 12 years. St. Andrews in Scotland was ranked second. Durham University was named Sports University of the Year thanks to its collegiate structure which encourages high levels of participation. The full list can be found by subscribing to the Times website. And finally, 250 former students at Bedford's training college were awarded honorary degrees and reunited by the University of Bedfordshire this week. The graduates, now in their 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s, attended the College between 1940 and 1978. The College, known in later years as the Bedford College of Physical Education, held the special ceremonies to celebrate sport and lifelong learning through physical activity. Most of the recipients have taught PE in schools, universities and local communities over the decades. In a week where service to others has been at the forefront of reflections about Her Majesty the Queen, the College has recognised the service and dedication of its former students. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio news with Joe Fox.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello.
4: This week I'm going to talk about a social media post we regularly see. It goes something like this. I'm trying to show my class the reach of social media. Please reply with where you are in the world. Personally, I love this post, and to honor it, I'm going to try it myself with a slight twist. I'm going to use the Insert 3D Map in Excel to show all of the places in the reply on A Map of the World. It's so easy to do. You simply put a title in a new column, for example, towns, and then add all of the place names below. Finally, click Insert and choose 3D Map. If it's the first time you're using it, you'll need to follow a few prompts to get it working, but you'll be greeted with a 3D map of the world with a little square pinning all of the places you typed in. If you don't use Excel, don't worry. You can do the same in Google Maps by clicking on directions and adding every place as a waypoint on a journey. This is a great way of showing pupils the reach of social media posts in a way that they can visualise. I'll post the final map next week so you can use it with your pupils and save you a job. So, what are you waiting for? Reply to my tweet or tell at TT Radio 2022 where you are and tag me in at Steve Woods one to one. Next week, I'll post the results. TT Radio 2022. Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech.
0: Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: so there you have it and um i just uh i just wanted to finish the show with one little thing well it's it's a big thing obviously this is uh the weekend before the queen's funeral um but i'm gonna i'm gonna say something that perhaps might uh be a bit controversial for some people but you know the queen's death queen elizabeth's death is a big historic thing for sure however um i do think it's perhaps gone a little bit over the top in terms of you know um to the point where amnesty international has had to get involved for people that disagree with the monarchy or people that are um, protesting the monarchy peacefully being arrested and that to me is just sending the wrong message completely you know that that's sending the message that you know somebody who disagrees with king charles who disagrees with the monarchy in some way is somehow a criminal even though they've actually done no criminal acts and um you know the um the message that we should be sending is you know the right to have your opinion heard and sure um and i'm just i'm pointing this out because of the messages that the real world are sending to our kids and our students um it shouldn't it shouldn't be you know ruling through fear of authority and that is what seems to be happening um and when amnesty international has to call the uk out on arresting peaceful protesters that that's that's it's gone too far it's gone way too far and it is setting a dangerous precedent that needs to change um people should have the right to peaceful protest without being um without being you know brutal uh without being unfairly punished by others that's how that's 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 that's, otherwise this country might as well be um a fascist or, or um authoritarian country rather than a democracy which it rides itself on being um and so you shouldn't celebrating queen elizabeth's life and her reign you know not absolutely nothing wrong with that and um mourning the queen absolutely nothing wrong with that either it's very um it's a big it's a historic moment but arresting peaceful protesters that's going too far we should be sending the message to our kids that they have the right to be heard and that their voices have the right to be heard it's not hate speech to protest the um you know it's it's not hate speech to peacefully protest if if the things that you were saying right might be damaging to others and might be spreading hate speech then for sure that that needs to be questioned but it's I, I i just i just wanted to point out that you know if you've got students that it might be worth reassuring them or sort of talking to them about you've got older students that they shouldn't they shouldn't feel that they can't voice their opinion out of fear of being arrested, especially when it comes to, when it, when it comes to things like the monarchy, um, and yeah, I, so I just, I just wanted to finish on that by all means, celebrate Queen Elizabeth's life, mourn her passing by all means. Be, be respectful about it, but if people have a negative opinion of the monarchy or King Charles, or just if people are peacefully protesting, then that shouldn't result in them being arrested. They are not breaking any laws, and this is just what uh, this is just an example where it, it's just been so wrong. Um, what what has what has happened to many peaceful protesters and many many of our young people might be feeling very scared by that i know i would be but young people should not be scared to voice their opinions so i wanted to end on that note and that is where i'm going to finish today's show thank you very much for listening